Hey, Pioneers! Welcome to episode number 338. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to prepare your homestead to sell. Now, this is an episode worth listening to, even if you are not planning on immediately selling your homestead or you're like, gosh, I, I don't know if we ever would sell our homestead. And the reason that I say that is because we, my husband and I, have went back and forth with, should we sell our place and move to a different state? Should we move to somewhere where we have more acreage so that we can expand our cattle operation and be able to raise more beef cattle and or be able to raise more pigs? Basically, just have more space available to pasture raise because that's the only way we like to raise our animals to increase our livestock operation and or the possibility of looking at states. We live in Washington state at looking at states that are maybe a little bit more friendly to homesteaders. So we've kind of had that battle back and forth, and we have decided for the time being that we're staying exactly where we are. We are not planning on moving, but a lot of what we lay out into today's episode are still steps that you may wish to take, even if you don't think you're ready to put your place on the market right now or are ready to sell and move. It's still worth listening to. Now, if you are considering selling, then you definitely want to listen because as homesteaders, there is a lot more that comes with moving and selling a homestead than just a regular home, especially if you have put things into place using permaculture design, perennials, fruit trees, herbs. If you have livestock, even your food storage, those are all things that are going to be different when a homesteader is looking to sell and move and can add levels of complexity versus just a, a regular household. So today's episode, we're diving into all of that. You're going to get all of the tips. And I'm really excited because today's interview, it's not really a coaching call, even though we've been doing a lot of those with members for the Pioneering Today Academy, which is my membership and opening for the first time since last year on March 23rd. 2022. We are opening again for just five days for new members. And so we've been sharing a lot about that as we lead up to it. But today, you actually are going to be introduced to Michelle Hedgecock. So Michelle was first a member, one of the very first members of the Pioneering Today Academy when we opened the doors back in March of 2016. As far as my knowledge goes, we are one of the very first homesteading memberships to open online digitally uh, that I'm aware of and still going strong. We're coming up on our anniversary here, which is really exciting. Anyhow, Michelle was first a member and then she quickly moved into helping me virtually. And that has evolved. We are now really good friends. And she's actually a really big part of both this podcast. She's actually the podcast manager. So she helps me uh, book guests and get them scheduled and get them all the information that they need to have in order for us to record. She also books me on, which sounds so weird. <laughs> There's also weird things to say, but true. Uh, she books me on other people's podcasts for interviews and all of that. She helps me manage that. She also helps inside the community and she also helps with the courses. You've probably seen Michelle on the webinars whenever I do any of the free live trainings. Usually I do about one a month. 
She's in the chat portion of the webinar while I'm teaching. So if you've hung around with me for any amount of time online, you probably have bumped into Michelle, even if you didn't realize it, because she helps out a ton uh, with all aspects, really, of all of the home setting online stuff that I do, which is fun. So I'm really excited to bring her on the podcast because this is something she and I have been just talking about as friends. And I'm like, man, this is really helpful info. Some of the things that she's doing, I don't, I hadn't thought of when we were thinking about moving that I know is really going to help you out a lot. So we're going to jump in to the interview. And if you want to hop to the blog post, because we will link to some other episodes that go into some things that we'll be discussing in more detail and depth. So you can go over to melissaknorris.com forward slash 338, because this is episode number 338. So melissaknorris.com forward slash 338 to get links to further resources, as well as joining the wait list to get first option when we open the door for new members on March 23rd. So let us go to today's episode. Well, hey, Michelle, welcome to officially being on the Pioneering Today podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because you and I obviously talk pretty much daily, usually multiple times a day. Yeah, but I think the podcast is the one thing that you have not been on because you're in all of the other things. So this is fun to have you here, too. So. I'm excited for us to talk about this topic because I think that there's a lot of people in this boat, especially with homesteading. It's one of those things like you start out as a beginner and you start out with maybe a few core things. But if you stick with homesteading, you quickly begin to evolve. And every year, maybe every season, depending on you, add more and more and more. And so, yes. what felt like was probably the perfect house, or if not perfect, at least well-suited to your needs at the time. I mean, we're even going through this right now. But you quickly realize, you know, if 10, maybe even 15 years go by, sometimes even five years, you're just like, oh man, like this really isn't suiting all that we want to do now. And you have to evaluate, can we change things here at our current locale to make things work? Or do we look to move? And I know you guys have went through that journey. And so I kind of want to yeah. walk through that. So the property that you are on now in your guys' house, how long have you guys lived there? We have been here 24 years. We bought the property from my grandmother. And when we started out, we, homesteading wasn't even an inkling for us. We didn't actually start doing that until 2014. So I'm curious, what was it that put you into homesteading? Like if, if it wasn't, you know, an inkling, you didn't grow up with it. Like, was there a certain thing that really pushed you to be like, okay, we're going to do this? Well, yes, there was. And it was mostly so that I could quit my job. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I, I love that. Yeah. I needed to get out of where I was at. Mm -hmm. And my whole idea was that I could save money if some of this stuff on our own. So that's where it started from. Okay. So yeah, the goal was I'm going to save money and we start producing our food. I'm not buying that from the grocery store. Okay. I actually did not know what, what your, how you actually came to it because by the time you and I started working together and I got to know you, you guys had already been homesteading for at least a couple of years at that point. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have had the property for 24 years. And then as you 
evolved into doing homesteading and doing that more. When did you decide or when did you think this is not going to be our forever place? And you guys decided that you're going to be moving rather than just staying there and maybe doing some adjustments. You know, when we bought the place, we initially had only planned to stay here five years. Then we had the recession in 2008 and we were upside down on the house. So we wound up staying. And once our daughter started going to school, we made the commitment that we were going to stay here until she was done with school. We wanted her in the same school system for her entire school career. Mm -hmm. So that's why we stayed. Okay. And so when she became a freshman in high school, that's when we said, okay, we really need to start looking and evaluating. Are we going to stay here? Are we going to move? And did you guys, when you were doing that, did you guys plan to move like completely out of state? Or were you planning to look for property just in the, in the area? Or was it more like, well, we'll just see what we can find, where we can find? We don't want to move out of state. We want to stay in Michigan. We actually like stay, living in Michigan. Mm-hmm. But we want to stay in a near area. At least I want to stay cl- more local to where we are now. Because family's here. And I don't really want to move too far away from family. Yeah. The other reason I want to stay here is because I have relationships with local farmers. I don't want to have to start all over again. No, I completely understand that. There is something when you're homesteading and you finally find places for the things that you can't produce yourself. In fact, I'm going through this right now. We have finally found a raw milk source, like really, really local. I'm going to the farm And that is something that is actually taking me, even though I have lived where we live my entire life, it's taking me a long time to find it this local without having to drive out. And it's just a family that have their own milk cow. It's in that type of a milk share. And if I had to move farther away from that, it's a big deal. You're like, I, I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Knowing that you guys were going to be moving, that you weren't actually going to stay where you were, you guys did something that I thought was really smart. And especially for anybody who's at, well, I think that we're going to be moving someday or, you know, or you have a plan like in, you know, so many years, if you have kids in school, that type of thing. Um, But you guys did something really smart, both for the rest of the time that you have left in the home, but then getting your maximum resale. And so tell me about how that process worked and what you guys did. Okay. So about four years ago, we actually met with a realtor and had him come out and walk us through exactly what he saw that we needed to do to get the house marketable. Um, Because he's looking at it from two different viewpoints. Is a lender going to have an issue with something in the house? For example, on the deck, the railings were too far apart. And then from the buyer perspective, like, do we need new windows? Or does the bathroom need to be upgraded? Something like that. So he walked us through and we had a whole list. And from that, we broke that list down into years of when we thought we could achieve it. Mm -hmm. So the... I want to say the cheaper ones, easier ones, we were able to do rather, rather quickly. And then 
some of the more expensive time consuming ones, they were saved for later. Just how that worked out for us. Yeah. But I think that's really smart because mm-hmm. there's often things that you can do when you've lived in a place for, especially if you've lived in a place for a long time, I will say that there's things that you know probably could be upgraded or you would like to remodel just because you know that it would it would make flow better or it's just something that you would like done. Maybe, you know, even it's just aesthetically, you're like, oh gosh, like this feels really outdated. I'd like to redo this. But when you do it from an actual resale standpoint and what's going to make it more marketable and get you more money, I know there are certain things that I might not even think about or realize how much more they could bring in if we were to have them done, or like you were saying, even a bank willing to lend money on it. So I think that was really uh, smart of you guys and that you did it far enough in advance that it wasn't where you had to have, you know, a hundred thousand dollar budget to redo all of this stuff. And you're trying to do it while you live in the home and have it done in six months because you need to sell in six months. So I think having that was, was really smart. And it was definitely less stressful because we didn't have to try to get everything done in a very short period of time. We, we were able to space it out. Yeah. One of the other things, and I think this is where as homesteaders, even though it is a life of simplicity, it can make things more complex, especially yeah. when it comes to moving and selling. And because this is things that my husband and I have went back forth ourselves is, is I look out and I'm like, my orchard we put in and our orchard is now going on almost 15 years old. So it's, it's really producing well. And then I look at the medicinal herb garden, like the annual vegetable garden, that's not a big deal. I mean, you can put a vegetable garden in any, you know, pretty much anywhere and take your seeds with you, et cetera. But those perennials, I'm like, could I yeah. leave this whole orchard? Could I leave all of this? And so how did, cause I know you guys had some special plants and stuff. So how have you kind of walked, walked that line? Yeah, it's definitely been challenging knowing that we're going to be leaving everything that we've already have, have established. So some of the things, what I did last year, I started it last year was um, I took divisions like the rhubarb and strawberries. So some of those perennial fruits and vegetables I am taking with me. I'm just taking peace with me so that I can put them in my new garden. There's an apple tree here that my grandmother planted. So it was here when we moved in and it hadn't been producing until after we moved in. But turns out it's the best apples for applesauce. I have no idea what the variety is. So (laughs) I'm going to try grafting. I'm going to take some tip cuttings and see what I can do Mm -hmm. to take that with me. but, you know, to get to take the divisions of, of everything that we want, it, there's also flowers that are, they have meaning, they have history because they came from like my great grandmother's garden or my grandmother's garden or maybe by a, a friend who's no longer here. So those are important to me. So I started taking divisions of them last year. And I, the reason I started last year was so if they didn't make it, I had another chance to get them. Yeah, I think that's really important because (laughs) there's nothing like the pressure of when you absolutely need it to take. That is the one time, even if you've done it hundreds of times before, it's like, that's the one time (laughs) 
<laughs> that something doesn't go right and for whatever reason it doesn't turn out uh, like it like it always has. So I think giving yourself that extra buffer, especially for those plants that you can't replicate um, because of of those instances that they actually came from those people and those memories. One of the other things is when you have been, especially you, like you're in a family home. It was from your grandma. We're on property that um, my grandparents originally owned. And so there's emotional ties to places. And even if we know in our head that somewhere else is better suited to our needs, that's something when it really came down to it. And that's why at, at this moment, we're staying where we're at. My husband and I are both like, I really don't think that either of us can, can move and leave at least in this moment in time, but it really did come down to that emotional tie that we decided yeah. to stay. So how, how have you, how has the emotional part been? It is sad to be leaving someplace that, you know, we've lived here for so long. And before that was my grandmother. And I just try, I just keep reminding myself that we still have the memories even if we're not still living here, we have the pictures that we can always look at if we ever want to. And if it really comes down to it, if we really, really want to come, we could probably stop in and ask the new owners if we could just take a walk around. In fact, I've had that happen because the original owners, their, I believe it's their son, has stopped by a couple times and just asked if he could walk around. And every time he comes by, he has a story to tell. Oh, so in that aspect, it's kind of neat. So, you know, I just yeah. look at it that way. Yeah. And we've I, actually gone through this on my mom's side of the family, the house that her grandparents built is no longer in the family. But and that wasn't until like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've already gone through this because I did live in that home for a short period of time. I think it's good too to even maybe, you know, put in a, 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 I don't know if you can put in a clause. I'm obviously not a real estate agent and not dealt with this, but you know, even if you can put something in there, like just tell them like, Hey, like we won't, you know, bug you all the time, but you know, we'd love to be able to stop by every now and then and, and reminisce or something. Um, is definitely something I think that you could bring up, especially with those. If you know, it's been an emotional tie and you've been there a long time. And speaking yeah. of the of the emotion part, or maybe um, maybe unexpected, is what you you were sharing this with me, and I thought that this was so smart because you said you were so glad that you guys had started earlier with doing the renovations on things to make the place sellable mm-hmm. before you actually had to move out. It wasn't like you were doing it, and within a month of it being finished, it was going on the market. Yes, we, we've done things, we've basically upgraded the entire house. Um, the, the, my favorite upgrade is the kitchen. We actually doubled the size. So that, that's going to be hard for me to leave because most houses, we've been looking online for years now. So we know we've seen these kitchens for a house this size or even bigger. Those kitchens are tiny. So to leave this kitchen to go to that, that's going to be really, really difficult for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we can have multiple people working in our kitchen and I can have multiple projects going on and not really have an issue. 
So I just don't want to go to a postage size kitchen. But having done that renovation for the kitchen, it, we also did whole house flooring at the same time. That really increased the value of the home. And that was just something we did for ourselves. Yeah. I And I think a homestead kitchen has more put on it <laughs> than, than yeah. most other kitchens because we're not only cooking and providing meals for ourselves, but we're also doing a lot of preservation um, and more of the base ingredients. So it's not like you're just sitting down to, you know, throw together a pizza. You're actually making the cheese yourself ahead of time yeah. to put on the pizza. You're making the tomato sauce that will then become the pizza sauce. So I feel like for homesteaders, or foodies, like the kitchen is a really big deal. But one of the things that I, as we decided, like, yeah, we're going to stay here for now. So let's start focusing on making this place as what we want it to be now, rather than waiting yeah, in order to find that perfect home. Like I'm more focused on that now, like whatever, you know, our reality is or where we're at right now. Like, let's make this the best it can be. Still be smart about planning for the future. But because it's one point where we're like, well, we may decide to remove this because it's a manufactured home. We thought we might move the manufactured home off and do a completely stick built house. And so we held off on doing any of the upgrades or any of the renovations that we knew we wanted to do from the get go when, when we actually purchased it and put it on the property. And so for years, we didn't do any of those upgrades. And then it was like, this is silly. Like we should do the things for where we're at now that need to be done. And now that we've started them, we actually realized we really like this place. We like the layout and we're not going to do a stick built home. I mean, this is two by six complete construction. It's just silly. So now we're like jumping into that full board and making all those changes. And I'm so glad because for years we just held off and it's making such an impact now to actually have things functioning. And some of them are just aesthetic. Like they're just, they're just prettier, but I enjoy my home more. And so yeah. I guess that's kind of where you, you guys have felt that too, even though we're not looking to sell, we're going to stay here, but even you guys and looking to sell by, and it, obviously it goes with budget. And if you can afford it, neither one of us are advocating just, you know, go willy nilly and create your dream home just right. because, but if you can like, don't hold off and wait because you have a much more enjoyable home. You're enjoying the time you have left there more with doing that work. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one example of that for us is the fireplace. We got a new fireplace and that was more for our enjoyment than for anything else. The deck, we, we redid the deck and that was so we could actually enjoy it before we moved. And, you know, doing these improvements, as long as you can afford them, do it for your, your enjoyment. And you, you don't know what's going to happen. You may plan to move, but you don't know if something's going to happen that prevents that from actually occurring. So you might as well just do it so you can get benefit out of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I'm not saying don't take a vacation. Most of our vacations are camping trips, <laughs> but I think of how much money people can spend. And of course, like spend your money how you want to. This is not like if someone's planning a vacation, don't, don't not do it. We're not trying to guilt you, but I think of how much money is spent on some types of big vacations, which is great, but you only get to enjoy it for maybe a week or so while you're there. And instead, if you can invest that money into your home where you're at all the time, 
that just makes so much more sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, one of the things when you guys were getting closer to moving, because you guys are actually planning on putting your house now at the time of this recording on the market within just a few months, correct? Yes. Yeah, we plan on putting it on the market in June after my daughter's open house. Okay. So were there any plans that you made previously that you're now rethinking as it's getting like really close? (laughs) Yes. Um, So if you had asked me this question in January, I would have told you that our plans were to reduce our food stack, our supply, so that we didn't have to move as much because food is heavy and it can take a lot, take up a lot of room. So to have to move all of that plus everything else, you know, all of the normal household stuff. And then there's all the homesteading stuff because a normal household doesn't have a canner or the cheese making supplies or any of that sort of stuff. So now you have, more stuff to move as well. So my thought was just, we'll just try to reduce as much as we can. So we, we, you know, we decluttered as, and we're still decluttering. We're always going through stuff. And I think that's just something that you need to do in your life anyway. Always mm-hmm. be de- decluttering something. It doesn't have to be like a big marathon session. Just do like a drawer at a time. So we did, we've been doing that. But with all the recent events and price increases and supply issues, we're no longer reducing our food storage. We're going to replace as we can or as needed, but the goal is not to get down to the the minimum. Okay. I have to tell you that makes my heart so happy. I didn't want to say anything (laughs) when you told me your original plan, because I know if you, you know, if you have a plan and then someone speaks negatively to it, it can bring anxiety, but yeah, yeah. I want you to know I'm so happy to hear that because I was I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best idea. So um, I'm really I'm actually really happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I originally wasn't going to have a garden and I'm still not going to put an in-ground garden in, but I am going to do like container gardening. I have the green stock, which is the vertical planter with the deep pockets. Then I have the leaf green stock planter which has the shallower pockets. So I'm going to plant things in there. And then I have some containers. Then I'm going to plant some other things like tomatoes and probably zucchini, stuff like that. That way I can take it with me. Yes, I love that. Because if it's going on the market in June, you're right. Like you're going to be showing in the likelihood of it selling right in the middle of harvest season. You'd put all that work in, but you wouldn't get to reap any of the harvest. So Using right. those and because I have moved those containers not to a completely different home and address, but I've moved them multiple times around our property as the seasons dictate. And they are even full of soil, like fully planted because of the mm-hmm. way they stack. They are very easy to still be able to move like they're not too heavy. So, right. yeah, I think that's that's a wise idea. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. And. With the recent events, because at the, you know, at the time of this that we're recording, there's a a lot still going on in the world, including, you know, rising prices, supply issues, sounding like that could definitely go on further. But is there anything that you've done to help alleviate any of that type of anxiety that you may be feeling 
uh, beyond deciding I'm not running down the food storage is low and doing the container gardening? Um, yeah. I made sure that I got all my meat orders in with my farmers so that in the fall, that my plan is to have moved by September. So in the fall, I can take delivery of all of that. Knowing that I had the orders in, it just provides a level of comfort. So that I needed to do that. Yeah, I, I completely understand. In fact, as I don't order my, my meat from anybody else because we produce that for ourselves and then also people in our community. But I'm seeing the same thing. Like people are, have already reached out to me and they're like, hey, um, I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm on the list as 100% getting you know, the meat from you this fall already. And, and I'm like, and I totally understand. I'm like, yeah, yep, we've got you down. But yeah. also for me is confirming with the butchers because we don't butcher everything here ourselves on the homestead. We do all of our of the chickens and the meat birds, but for the beef, we don't have a way to hang and dry age it um, in a cooler spot. And so we still rely on our local butcher for that. And so for me, making sure that I'm booked with them far out so that I can then pass that peace of mind on, like there's just something about knowing you have those dates confirmed that does allow, it allows for peace of mind, both from the farmer and then from the person getting it from the farmer. So completely can relate to that. Yeah. Is there any advice that you would give to somebody who is considering moving that we haven't covered yet? I mean, I, and we touched on it and that's definitely for them to plan ahead. They, you know, don't wait until the last minute to do these fixes or make your decisions because when you plan ahead, it just helps alleviate stress and it's already a stressful time. So the more you can do to reduce that, the better you're going to be. Yes. Now you, and I know this because I'm working with you uh, for many, many years now, you have an organizational mind like nobody I've ever worked with before. So you have a system with how you pack things because there's some things you guys have been able to pack ahead of time, right? So yeah, walk, yes. walk me through. I think that system is genius. And so for anybody who is like, yes, we are moving. I would love for you to share those tips for what you can pack early and then your system regarding the packing of things. Okay. So every box that I pack, it's stuff that I know that we're not going to use right away, or it's something that I, I hope that we get to use in a new house and it might not be fitting in our new house in our current house. So that's the stuff that gets packed away first. So as I'm emptying canning jars, I'm packing those away because I'm not canning anything this year. So I'm going to be more of a consumer in that regard, but I just don't have the time to do it. And with everything else that's going on in my life, besides getting ready to move and daughter graduating, there's a bunch of other stuff going on. So I just don't have the time to do the canning. So I'm packing those up. So as I do that, I am labeling each box with a sticker with, that has a number. And then I have a notebook. And in that notebook, I have the number, what room it goes to in the column, and then what's in that box. so that. When we go to unpack, we'll know which boxes we need to unpack first, which will be the ones that we've packed last. But if we need to find something like, I need to can something real quick and I need canning jars, 
I know what boxes I can go to to find those canning jars. Okay. Just based on the number that's on the box. Yes. And I think that's that's a genius, mainly because I rarely do that. I'm like, I'm going to remember what's in X, Y, Z. I've learned my lesson. (laughs) Never. Right. Especially the older I get, the, the less I retain that. And so I've learned my lesson on like my tincture jars and even my canning jars. Sometimes I'll can a jam or jelly or maybe a sauce that I'm like, oh, I'm going to know this is blah, 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 blah. And then once you put it on the shelf with all the other sauces that can be similar colors or whatnot, then it's like looking at it, you know, six months later and you're like, oh, was that that or was that that? So I, I love that you helped your future self right at the beginning. Yes. Very smart. Well, I... I hope that you guys found find the most perfect house um, and that everything goes smoothly. Um, and so we'll definitely have to do inside the membership. Uh, I know inside the community forum and circle that you'll be sharing uh, once you guys find the place and all that kind of fun stuff. So if you're already an Academy member, you'll be able to come along the journey and see where you guys finally end up landing. And for those of you who are not inside the membership, you can get on the wait list because we will be opening up for new members March 23rd. And you can go to melissacanoris.com forward slash PTA to get on that wait list. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome to our verse of the week. I'm actually going to read a couple of verses, but we are still in. Ezekiel. I am reading from the Amplified Translation of the Bible. And if you have been listening to many of our episodes, then you will recognize that I have been sharing a lot of verses from Ezekiel. And that is because I am reading through the book of Ezekiel. I don't always pick a chapter and go through it in depth in my morning devotions, but that is what I am doing at this moment of time. So I wanted to read to you from Ezekiel chapter 34. And we are going to start in verse 24 and actually go down through verse 27. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will confirm with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And my people shall dwell safely in the wilderness, desert or pasture land and sleep confidently in the woods. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing, of good insured, of God's favor. And the tree of the field shall yield its fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase. And my people shall be secure in their land, and they shall be confident and know, understand and realize that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them out of the hand of those, who made slaves of them. I know that was a little bit long, but I wanted to share that because it is a picture and it is words and a promise of peace and what is to come. Now, this will all be when Jesus Christ comes back, right? When he comes back again. But also, if you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, which is often how God's word works, right? We have both the physical promises, sometimes it's of future events, but we also have the spiritual component. And oftentimes both of those are there. And this definitely is because our lives, our spirit, us as a people and or a child of God, once you are uh, saved 
by Christ, then our lives will be yielding of fruit and increase. Now, I don't mean this monetarily. Please do not misconstrue what I'm saying. Uh, That could be. But I'm really talking from a spiritual. So the gifts of the spirit, if you have read through the New Testament, where we have, there's Bible verses, you can look that up, look up uh, New Testament Bible verses, gift, gifts of the spirit. Those are really the gifts that I'm talking about that will yield their fruit and shall be increased in us. That will help us to be secure and confident and know that God is the Lord of our lives as he breaks the bars of the yoke of our sin. So sin is something that oftentimes we become a slave to. We don't even realize it in some instances and in other instances we're quite aware of it, especially if it's, you know, something that we're addicted to or if it's something that, you know, we do over and over again and we just feel like we want to stop, but we're having a really hard time stopping it. Usually that is something that we are actually a slave to because it's not something that you want and you're consciously trying not to do it, but it seems that it still keeps happening. So when God breaks those bars and those yokes, and then we are delivered. So it is a promise both for us spiritually and personally, but also for the world whenever that does happen, that Jesus Christ comes back for his second coming. So I wanted to share that with you because oftentimes, especially with all that's going on in the world right now, we need peace and we need hope of tomorrow. And we need to remember that good things are coming to those that trust in the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hard things right now or anything like that. But ultimately, the end is we will have good things from God. And that is where I want to be focusing my thoughts. And hopefully you feel the same as me. So I hope that that encouraged you. That is what it is meant for. And I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. I will be here back with you next week. Blessings and mason jars for now, my friend. Mm -hmm.